Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, our very special regular. Incredibly special, incredibly regular. Sunday, Mailbag Edition. I'm Scott Phillips and I'm joined by the founder and managing director of strawman.com, Mr. Andrew Ram Page. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you very much. Lovely to remake your acquaintance a few minutes after our last episode, but a day <laughs> and a half in the minds of our listeners, and we have kept them waiting, mate. It's been, I know, a terrible, terrible Saturday for many listeners who are like, what's you going to rant about? What's coming? What am I going to hear on the Sunday, as we promised? If you haven't listened to Friday's episode, uh, you can listen to it. There's no spoilers either way. Uh, but we did say at the end of Friday's ep, mate, that's... Uh, you had a rant, or at least we had a topic of, of some consternation and we were going to talk about it. We didn't have enough time left without blowing the episode out entirely. <laughs> uh, so we thought we'd hold this one over, mate. And uh, are you ready? Are you feeling good? Are you limbered up? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm ready to go with the rant at a drop of a hat. I was going to say, listen, no, that, was, that was almost a, a cautious, uh, but we all knew you were really saying, oh, if I have to, okay, I'm going to go. Okay. It was, okay. It was very simple. It was like the, the token, the token, maybe, yes, okay. okay. Uh, mate, there was some, there has been some talk actually for a few months uh, about the rise of the so-called Finfluencer. Now, almost by definition, that term should be banned. Whenever we try and, you know, it's the old Tomcat, remember um, Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes. Who was the other one? Was oh. Jay, uh, Jennifer Lopez and who was she? Ben Affleck. That's right, Jennifer. The Jennifer. No, no, Benefer. Benefer, ben- that's right. Benefer. Benefer. Man, see? You're way up with the cool kids than me, mate. <laughs> anyway, so Finfluencer is the very, very clever, some clever dick, I don't come up with it. Financial influencer, hence Finfluencer. Get it? Get it? Uh, is the term given to people on usually socials, often Insta, sometimes TikTok, who are, in theory... Uh, engaging in some sort of version of financial advice or something uh, to either uh, scam us all and make some money or, out of the goodness of their hearts, help other people learn a bit more about finance and often somewhere in between in that murky, murky world, which frankly is most of finance, between looking after the people who are getting the message and feathering the nest of the person giving the message. Mm. Uh, our listeners will know full well that is, that is uh, the finance industry in general uh, the old book from 19, was it 1910 or 12 or something by Fred Schwed called Where Are the Customers Yachts? Oh, uh, the story book. goes that the broker takes his mate down and says, look at all the yachts of me and all my mates. Yep. And he turns to him somewhat incredulously and says, where are the customers' yachts? In other words, did mm. you make their money or are you just feathering your own nests? Mm-hmm. Which uh, has mm-hmm. always been a great analogy and a great story. The book is timeless, unfortunately, because not much mm-hmm. has changed. Except with the rise of social media, the, the ability for anyone with a an account on one of these things to gather an audience and then share information, sometimes education, as I said, sometimes straight out scams with anyone who wants to bother following them. The question has come up from regulators and others, hey, is this all fine and legit and above board or the way we regulate people like the Motley Fool and the regulations that apply to fund managers and others, should we not be also making sure these people are covered by regulation? Mm. And there was an article during the uh, during the week, mate, that got your back up a little bit. You tweeted about <laughs> this uh, on Wednesday, and I uh, Thursday Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday, uh, or Thursday morning maybe. And I sort of thought, oh, got to talk to Ram about that. He's he's obviously got a view on this. So, yeah. mate, maybe you could share the content, at least some of the content of that article, and uh, what got your back up just a little. So, yeah, you, you've 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 framed it well. Um, there's a lot of a lot of people out there giving advice online. <clears throat> you know, the proverbial sort of you know. Kid in his mum's basement telling people to buy stocks, <laughs> or crypto, or whatever else they're doing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a new it's a new phenomenon, mm-hmm. and very rightly, the regulator has said, "Gosh, there's some bad apples in this space. Probably, yeah. probably is something that we need to regulate." Yeah, mm-hmm. No problem with that whatsoever, whatsoever. Um, but what really got my back up is in that particular AFR article. Um, I forget the gentleman's name, but uh, from ASIC said, "If people want to avoid our ire, they simply just need to get the proper licensing." And I just thought, you know, well, that sounds reasonable. If you're worried about get 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 the uh, get get a a license. Yeah, okay, done. But but as someone who's gone through the process, let me tell you, it costs a fortune. Mm -hmm. The amount of bureaucratic red tape that you have to wade through Mm -hmm. is ridiculous. There are all kind of burdens put on in requirements for personal indemnity insurance. If you want to go out there now, anyone listening, and get a general advice Mm -hmm. license. 
That is, you're allowed to, not allowed to give specific personal advice, but you can speak generally about mm-hmm. your opinions on mm-hmm. various investments. You are looking probably just in your first year, something around 50 grand's worth of fees. Mm-hmm. And then- and then each year after that, there's an audit requirement. There's ongoing training requirements. There's, there's all, all this kind of stuff. The reality is, though, it's so beyond the means of so many people. So it's it's one of these situations where someone said, hey, there's a lot of bad stuff. Like, let's forget about influencers for a second, just in the yeah. normal space. Yeah, we need yeah. to regulate this. Yep, 100% agree. But the way you go about it is really Interesting. The, the, the great irony here is that all it has done is strengthen the position of the incumbents mm. because when you're CBA, uh, your Suncorp, your AMP or whoever, mm-hmm. this is nothing. It doesn't cost you anything. You've got teams of lawyers. You can easily do it. The, 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 the person who's trying to sort of come up and do good in the world, and there's plenty yeah. of really yeah. great stuff out there. It's just prohibitively expensive. You can't do it. You can't do it. And the, and the thing is, what qualifies you to give financial advice? Mm-hmm. If there is someone out there who's been managing their own money for 20 years, delivering market-beating returns, but doesn't have the proper degree or, or qualification, they, they won't, they, they'll find it very hard to get a license. Some guy fresh out of school who's done a finance degree Never invested two cents. We'll meet all of the conditions. Now, you tell exactly. me who you'd rather put your money with. Exactly. So it's 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 not so much the intent that I have the problem with. Yeah. It's 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 the means by which it it goes uh, about doing it. Mm. So <clears throat> the other thing is too is it's just not pract- practical. I mean, okay, what are you going to do about the Finfluencer in the Philippines? Yeah. I mean, yeah, so you don't have jurisdiction there. What do you yep, do? Yep, yep. You know, this, this is this is the internet. It, it doesn't, there's there's no geographic boundaries here. Um, so, so it makes no sense. And I can have anonymous accounts on top of that as well. So it's it's just sort of, it's just, it's, it's, it's too difficult yeah. to police and the regulations that are in place are just completely impractical. Mm. And the other thing that I would say, and you've touched on this in your introduction, is that, I also tweeted out something. He's like, oh, please, please, Fintwits, leave, leave financial advice to the experts. <laughs> and underneath that, I just, I put an article from the Hain Royal Commission yeah. because the Royal Commission showed you that these experts, these, these, uh, these people who meet all the regulations and qualifications have been charging dead people and ripping us off left, right and centre for years. Mm. The, the worst possible kind of behaviour that you can imagine is rife. And I'm not. I'm not using hyperbole here. This this came out in a royal commission, so they're sort of saying, "Oh, these guys over here, we can't trust them." Oh, but the, the guys in the Armani suits in Martin Place, oh, they're they're very trustworthy. That that's where you need to get your advice from. It's ridiculous. And the other thing I would say too is that there's. Am I saying that there's not bad actors out there? Oh my gosh, there are some people on Twitter <laughs> just dodgy as the yeah. you know, day is long, dodgy as anything. Mm. But we can't lump. You, just, you can't say, "Oh, because you're online and you're a influencer, you're bad." You and I both follow some really great accounts yep. on Twitter, yep. who just super high quality, super high quality. I would put their advice and commentary over that of many mm-hmm. most fund managers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's some bad apples out there. Yep. Should we do something about it? Yep. Do we do we brutally apply this uh, impractical, highly expensive legislation across the board? I, I, I think I think actually we're all worse off as a result of it. I'm not a libertarian. I'm not saying that it's all personal responsibility and you, you go for it and it's all buyer beware kind of stuff. I just don't think the way that they, I think they're they're going about it in a way that just doesn't recognise the new reality of of the online world. Yeah. You know, it's here to stay, whether you like it or not. And and there'll always there'll always be bad actors. There'll always be people trying to scam you. There will. But at the same time, there's a lot of great stuff that's sort of out there. And if you want to do something about it, um, there are better ways, in, in my view. People always own guns, Andrew. We should just acknowledge that and let them own their guns. Just give them guns. Let, give them guns. Pay them to take our guns. <laughs> They're going to own them anyway. Why bother banning? No, I'm kidding. Uh, but I, I largely agree with your point. I've been asked the question. I don't have a good answer either for exactly the reasons you've identified. Um, and let, let, let's make it a personal example, right? Motley Fool is, has a Australian financial services licence, which allows us to give formally financial advice. We give general advice, as you say. And just really quickly, personal advice is, hi, Andrew, I'm Scott. I'm your financial advisor. I've considered all of your considerations. I think you should buy Woolworths shares. Mm. General advice is, I don't know anything about you. I just think Woolworths is a market beater. I think Woolworths shares are a buy. Mm. So that's general advice, personal yeah. advice. And we, we are a general advice provider. Now, if Please I consider was, it in light of your personal situation. Correct, correct. Now, if I was to quit the Motley Fool tomorrow and know and do exactly what I'm doing right now with my job, day job, and I said to other people, hey, I'd like to keep giving you stock tips, right? Mm. 
to do that, I would have to, as you say, spend 50, 70, 80, $100,000 to try and get myself qualified in air quotes to give exactly the advice I'm giving now. Mm. I don't need to do any extra training, by the way, because I've already done it. There was mm. there were nothing, Scott Phillips individually and Scott Phillips working for The Motley Fool, same person, same advice, same questionable jokes. Uh, I, I, you know, and I would have to spend a hundred grand to justify myself. Given if I went to do my own thing as a as a as a sole trader, and I'm not going to. I'm mm. happy with the Motley Fool, and if the boss is listening, love you, but I'd like a pay rise, please. Um, <laughs> but but you know that that's the difference. Now I'm really happy, as you say, mate, that the regulator is there. There mm. is some crappy financial advice. There is, yep. you know, we know that part of the frankly royal commission outcomes were allowed to be. Um, uh, the findings were partly based on the fact that these were financially financially licensed organisations that had obligations under those licences that they failed to discharge. And so there are some real teeth to that and there's some real value in that. And I really like the fact that the regulator is there. I think there are- Is, is there teeth to it though? On. What what happened? What, what what was the aftermath of the Royal Commission? We just heard the other day that NAB- that, point, that, but yes. But that well, cost of doing, mate. Cost, it sounds it's a great headline. All CBA charged millions of dollars. Nothing. It's a rounding error. It's, it's a month's worth of cash flows. You know, it's sort of, and and we've we've heard recently was it NAB or someone was doing something dodgy allegedly, allegedly very quickly. Um, uh, what's changed? I don't know. Nothing. Hope, there's no teeth. Hopefully, there's, hopefully, there's well, no teeth there. It'll wipe you out. So if you get if you right, if you right. if you get in, uh, if, if, if you um, get att- all the wrong attention, mm-hmm. and and they decide to bring down the full weight of the law on you. You're yep. screwed. Yep. Um, if you're Westpac, <laughs> that doesn't. Well, okay. to, to your point of what happened, mate. One, so Sam mm. Sam Henderson from Henderson Maxwell was effectively put out of business and put out of the industry mm. for doing absolutely the wrong thing. Uh, but at best, I think he probably misstated his qualifications and gave some suboptimal advice. Mm. Mm. Compared to, as you say, that the number of people and the amount of money made by banks are doing the wrong thing. So I'm not going to defend mm. Sam, uh, but by the same token, <laughs> the, the outcomes were massively disproportionate for an individual small business trying to give, I assume, reasonable, decent financial advice. May have got it wrong, may have got it right. Yes, misstated his qualifications. So I'm not not defending what he did wrong at all. Mm. But mm. I would absolutely say, as you, to you, as you, as you made the point, Westpac, CBA, and ABDEC, they continue happily on their merry way. Um, look, they're, they're spending a fortune in compliance these days. They did have uh, fines. There is there is material damage to that business. Is it not material in terms of existential damage? But you know, there's less money that would have otherwise than, than could have otherwise gone to shareholders. So there's something there. But yeah, it's disproportionate, as you as you rightly say. It's mm. um, it's. But, but all that said, right, the, the idea that there are obligations that – so, well, let, let me put it the other way around. If the banks didn't have financial services license obligations, do you think they'd be even worse than they were? Yes, I do, actually, for what it's worth. So I think there are some benefits in having the regulatory regime that sets out standards of behaviour that if you yep. cross that line, at least you know you're crossing it and it's going to stop some people crossing that line some of the time and bring them to heel some of the time. And is that better? Yes, I think it, I think it generally is than not having it at all. Yep. The question but, is where do you draw the line in terms of who needs to be regulated and for what? Mm. And I find this really, really difficult because yeah, it's difficult. I don't, I don't want, I don't want an unregulated financial advice. I, I think, yeah, for example, like the property market. This is ridiculous too. Property is unregulated from a financial services license. I was going to use that example. Yeah, right? and so I can go say whatever I want about property, completely free and clear, and. Yep. Face no, I've still got to meet other laws. I can't literally lie about stuff, and I, you know, there's there's rules. But financial services licensing perspective, there's no there's no license requirements. There are no continuous professional development obligations. All that stuff that goes with the, the biggest financial money. asset that most Australians will ever have. Right, and you can that's not at conferences without having yeah. to have that advice be reasonable or have a reasonable basis no. for that obligation. Any of that yeah. sort of stuff. No, 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 if you if I sort of say, oh, maybe you should throw a thousand dollars behind Woolies, then then I I face all this. But you Correct. know, put two point three million dollars into Correct. a one bedroom apartment in Stanmore and just Correct. like go for it, it's, or a, it's, or a timeshare in, in you know off the coast of Queensland that people got screwed by. Anyway, yeah, it's so hard. I, it's hard. I acknowledge I acknowledge that it's hard, and I acknowledge that there's a need for it. I just I just think. The, the the legislation has not kept up with the times and the technology, yep. and I think the way that they're going about it is just is flawed. And and the 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 big irony really is, as I said at the start, is that all it does is strengthen the position of the large incumbents. Mm-hmm. What brilliant? Maybe, maybe if you're a conspiracy theorist, you could say, well, that they, they, they love this situation mm-hmm. because they know that all of the all of the potential disruptors out there have got this huge hill to climb before they can even compete. Yeah. You know, what, what, uh, bring it on. Yeah, I mean, if we ever go. 
go on the wrong side of it, okay, fine, we, we cop a bit of a slap on the wrist. But all, all it does is solidify and strengthen these structurally advantaged institutions, which we know have a very poor record of of, of behaving properly. And that's that's the great irony of it, mm-hmm. where it should be ensuring that, that average people get good quality advice. I do think, though, the answer is in having a level of regulation that is accessible for people who choose to provide that advice. Yeah. I don't think the answer yep. is, screw it, let anyone on Instagram say whatever they want about financial products because it's too hard. Mm. I think the answer is they should have to display, demonstrate a an awareness and understanding of financial markets. They shouldn't have to show that they know what they're talking about. Any uh. kid with a, with a YouTube account can jump online and start and start banging away, right? And someone can mm. follow that person. And yes, it's buyer beware. Um, actually, you're not a libertarian. I'm not either. I, 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 you know, I absolutely think there should be real significant rules about if you're going to say anything about financial products, go through this process, mm. get mm. yourself licensed, cost you thousand dollars to do and two hundred bucks a year to maintain or something. Um, uh, you know, you should have to. And this this day and age, mate, with everything online, it costs nothing to provide that sort of training and, and testing, right? Like it's, it should be cheap as chips. Well, and yeah. you should be able to do it. You should be able to get the qualification. Demonstrate you are maintaining some sort of awareness of and um, understanding of the rules and the market you're in. That shouldn't be hard for a regulator to do. And it shouldn't be hard, it shouldn't be unreasonable for a Finfluencer or a would-be Finfluencer uh, to simply go through that motion off. And I don't Yeah, they don't need to spend a hundred grand to do it though, right? Like that's, right, you know, exactly. make, that's make, you know, a couple the, of grand. And yeah. I would have different rules, by the way. I'm not, um, so, so look, I represent an incumbent. So to your point, we absolutely benefit by having fewer people out there giving financial advice, but I'm not against it. I think if you're going to take money for your advice, you should have one level of one level of you know qualification or or, mm. or requirement. And so, if you, well, probably three. If you're going to manage someone's money for them, you better be sure you are absolutely squeaky clean, right? If you're going to take tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, or someone say, "I'll manage it for you," you ab- you should have absolutely all the rules in the world. Um, mm. Our bank, effectively, if mm. you're going to take money for advice like the Motley Fool does, then we should absolutely have a lower level than the fund managers, but a higher level than a finfluencer. Mm. And if you're just going to say, "Hey, here I am on Twitter." Um, recommend this. The other thing I would say about really quickly, sorry, we won't go off too much longer. We need to get the mailbag at some point. Is um, the, my biggest concern with Finfluence actually is well, it's two. One is just crappy advice by someone who doesn't know what they're talking about because there's plenty mm. of that. Yep. And you know, if we had someone come to our business who didn't know what they were talking about and start giving advice, I'd tap them on the shoulder, we'd have a chat, we'd, we'd help them do the right thing, right? That's the benefit of an institution, mm. Um, mm. Uh, large or small. We're pretty small, but you know what I mean? Same kind of idea. So I am worried about bad advice. I am also, though, mate, really worried about conflicts of interest. And that mm. one is one I think I, I think that absolutely needs to be regulated. Because if I'm out there trying to hype up, you know, uh, Scott Coin mm. uh, to sell <laughs> lots of Scott Coins to somebody and I make this case why Scott Coin is going to be wonderful and whatever, and I don't disguise I own it and my advice is either horribly, horribly... Uh, uh, optimistic because I just happen to believe in this thing, but I'm terrible at it. Or straight out crime. I am trying to create mm. this Ponzi by getting people to buy my Scott coins and be worth a fortune. Those mm. things, you know, where there's conflicts of interest um, or potential conflicts of interest, or if I'm paid to promote something, that's where I think there really should be significant rules around that. I'm, I'm more worried about that kind of deliberate or subconscious bias than I am about you know is Woolies or Coles the right supermarket company to buy. Yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to pick up on there was you, you said that there needs to be testing in place. So I, okay, you want to give advice. I want to. I want to. I want to know that you're capable of giving that advice. So I'm going to give you a test. Now, you and I have both gone through the IG one four six compliance training, yes, yes. which is which is part of that, which 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 seeks to address that exact point. Yes. Do you know what you're talking about? Yep. Now, you and I both know that the the exam is ludicrous. Mm. A can you fog a mirror? You'll pass it, right? <laughs> you, yeah. you know, shave down a chimp and give them give them a pen, and they'll pass the test. It's not it's not a high hurdle, right? Yeah, yeah. The other thing is is there's there's well, I remember going through the process and knowing <laughs> what answer they wanted. Yes, that's also true. But fundamentally disagreeing that I, I would argue that that's yeah. that's not the right answer. So so they, you give the answer that you know that they're looking for, mm. but being someone who's sort of you know, a bit experienced in the industry and been around the block a few times, I think well, that's absolute BS. Yeah. That, that is, that, I know that's sort of an accepted wisdom, but it's completely untrue. Yeah. You know, we could talk about sort of volatility equaling risk and all these other sort of academic mm-hmm. kind of notions that just don't bear any sort of reason in, in the real world. So it's kind of like while, while the intent is great, the, the the process itself actually doesn't measure exactly what we're setting out to me. We're actually trying to evaluate your capacity to give good advice, mm. but that evaluation process is is ridiculously flawed. Yeah, 
it's crazy. I think, well, yeah, it's I, crazy. I, think, I don't know that's that, – I don't think – well, I'm not saying – you're not saying this necessarily, but that's not an excuse in itself for not having some degree of testing or requirement to do at least something more than that. Uh, there was a, a stockbroker exam recently, and something like a third of them are failing it. So it's possible yeah, to create surprised. an exam that is reasonable. And I don't even mind – you know, I completely agree with you, by the way. The idea of some of the answers are like not the answer I'd give but the answer they want. I don't even mind mm. that. You know, if it's if, it, if that's if that's the best we can do, if, if we did nothing other than make every Finfluencer sit the RG146, which is a horrible coded name they give to the financial advisor's qualification, mm. then that would be enough. I, I'd at least accept that. They have to be able to – you know, because I, I would I – would, let me make a random out – Outlandish prediction: eighty percent of ninety, eighty-five percent of people who didn't do any study for that exam, who are influencers right now, would fail that exam. Even despite, as you said, mm. it shouldn't be that hard. Because you, you and I have had a background in finance; we've been investing for years. We're not the average influencer, right? If you're an eighteen-year-old influencer or a twenty-three-year-old influencer, and you bought three cryptos and you think you know what you're talking about, you would fail that exam miserably. And they're still giving financial advice. I, I, I don't know. We could absolutely make it better, mate. But I would happily, just at the very least, start with that and, and improve it from there, surely. Yeah. There's also a problem of incentives. I got a yeah. friend who's bought some property recently and he's, he's buying a gun. There's a lot of rabbits and stuff up there. He's not a he's not a um, isolationist or survivalist or any of those kinds <laughs> yeah. of things. Yeah. And I said, uh, I said, oh wow, okay. What's what's the process? Like you said, like dude, you know, unless unless you've got a criminal record, you're getting that license, right? <laughs> who who does the test? Like the gun shop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, it, does anyone ever fail? No, they don't. So again, yeah. you get to this again. It starts. Hey, should we just give a gun out to everyone? No, no we should not. You know, <laughs> do you know which end is the dangerous end? That's really important to know. <laughs> you know, but but what but is, it's kind of it, yeah, yeah. it just gets you get you get into this thing. Where it's just sort of like it's just a box ticking exercise. We go through this sort of process, just sort of like anyone is going to get it, right? So it's kind of defeats the it defeats the purpose. Another friend of mine, we're having this conversation, said oh, it's like motorcycle licenses. Mm-hmm. So if you fail your test the first time, they have to give you another one, right? Um, uh, but it's but it's for free. So guess right. what? Everyone passes the first time. He when he was doing his license, there's one guy there who's just falling off and merging. He's just doing everything wrong. He got his license. <laughs> you know, they, why? Because they they don't. They, they, there's a very strong uh, uh, incentive for That's them right. to make sure that you pass. So there's you know it's sort of the broad brush. It's very hard to argue against the broad sort of thinking here. But it's just once you start getting into the detail, you realise how ridiculous a lot of these things are. Mm-hmm. So I feel as though we we get. All of us, not just you. I mean, we get we we get into these conversations as to whether things should be regulated or not. And that's not mm-hmm. for me. That's not the question. It's it's more the the devil's in the detail, and it needs to be well designed. And and nothing will be perfect. Nothing will be. It can't be. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. But but there's a big spectrum there, and there are some things that are that are a lot more reasonable um, th- than others. And I, I think I think in terms of financial services. That uh, yes, let's regulate. Let's make sure that people know what they're talking about, or at least the best that we can. Yeah. But the current system is just not fit for fit for purpose. In my in my Correct. humble opinion. Correct. And I I, I think we're making the same point, which is the, the, the current version isn't perfect. Not having them reg, un, regulated at all is not perfect. There's got to be some better way to do it. And the answer isn't as you say, applying for a financial service license that might cost you tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars to get. Yeah, it's stupid. Should we get the mail back? Yeah, we probably should. <laughs> Mate, let's go with a couple of great questions uh, like these ones in particular. Uh, I like all our questions, but these are just some really great questions today. Um, from a, a female listener, I always love it listening, uh, hearing from our female listeners. Uh, Hi, fools. Please don't use my name, she says, so I won't. I'm a female in my late 20s and have been investing in ETFs for the last five or so years. She says, I traded for the first time straight after listening to one of your podcasts. So thanks. Man, that focuses the mind, doesn't it, Ram? We better be doing this right. I haven't made the jump into individual stocks, in brackets, yet, but I'm quite happy with the market returns and being passive. I've started early and plan to hold on to these for a very long time, preferably retirement unless life, family, houses get in the way of that plan. So come at me, compounding. I love it. I regularly top up <laughs> my ETF portfolio without much thought on the price of the day. Brilliant. My three biggest holdings follow the NASDAQ index, the S&P 500, and the ASX 300. Brilliant. Love it. And a couple of other smaller ones, usually ones that Doc would mention on the podcast, I would go and immediately research. My portfolio is heavily skewed internationally, particularly in the USA, because I figure my superannuation exposes me plenty to the Australian market. Oh. Recently, those ETFs based in the USA market have been doing quite terribly. My mm. first thought was that sounded like the perfect time to buy more at a cheaper price. But a quick Google search sent me down quite a doomsday rabbit hole <laughs> with plenty of articles being written about the NASDAQ being overvalued 
and that there's a bubble about to burst and mm. it being time to sell, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She says, so, of course, without giving personal advice, which we've just spent time talking about, a couple of questions. Firstly, is the entire NASDAQ index overvalued? Question mark, question mark, question mark. And secondly, in this time of uncertainty, wars, COVID, inflation, bubbles bursting, et cetera, should I start putting more value on the ASX and keeping my money closer to home? I'll listen to your podcast for long enough that I'm pretty sure you're going to tell me to stay the course, keep investing <laughs> and the dips and highs will even out since I'm only investing in ETFs and I'm investing for the long term. But it would help me sleep better at night to hear it from you guys. She finishes with a smiley emoji. Thanks for the podcast. Uh, thank you to that listener who I wish I could name. It feels better to be able to thank someone with their name, but I won't because you asked me not to. Uh, thank, you for the, thank you for the question. Thank you for listening. Um, thanks for being a great example. Uh, for female investors, it is so dramatically important. This is a bloke's game for no good reason other than just kind of all the usual problems. So um, I'm super, always really, really glad to hear uh, that we have lots of women listening, uh, investing, asking questions. So I love it. Thank you very much for doing that. Uh, Ram, mm. great summary, great set of questions. Uh, so let's go one at a time. Is the entire NASDAQ index overvalued, mate? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't the question. That wasn't the answer you were looking for, was it? Uh, uh, yeah, look, yeah. I mean, I mean, that that's such a big. I mean, it's hard enough to answer that on an individual stock basis, but then right. to throw five hundred stocks into a basket and answer that is—it's just. I mean, it's yeah, the right question. Yeah. yeah. But I, 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 I would say that it actually doesn't matter, given yeah. the strategy that the listener is employing, right. which is exactly right. Yep. Broad-based index tracking spread around geographically, just adding regularly. Mm -hmm. you, you, by definition, as a dollar cost averaging strategy, you will be buying at points where it's overvalued, but mm -hmm. you'll also be doing it when it's undervalued. Mm -hmm. uh, and you don't have to worry about it. For, for someone who's in their late 20s, who's got decades of doing this ahead of them, it doesn't matter. It's guaranteed to be overvalued at some points, mm -hmm. many points, and then it'll be undervalued. So it, does, it kind of doesn't matter. It matters a hell of a lot if you want to take your money out in the next mm -hmm. six months. Hugely matters a lot, yeah. um, but even then, like, how how do you end? I mean, you got some of the mm. the best brains in the industry um, at di di uh, diametrically opposed to each other in, in their arguments for it. So that's, right. and I would say, whenever you start, whenever you start searching for this stuff online, mm -hmm. I can't think of a single point in history ever where if you look for reasons as to why it's all about to crash, <laughs> yeah, you, right. you'll find it. every day someone's right. saying that, and you get the you get the the broken clocks that are eventually right, and. That's right, that's right. So yeah, I I wouldn't worry about it. I, it sounds so flippant, and then we'll be talking in a year's time, and the Nasdaq will be down another fifty percent. And you're yeah. like, oh, is Andrew saying it doesn't matter? I'm not. Yeah. Like, yeah. Kind of doesn't. It it, yeah. it it will feel like it matters, but it won't it won't matter in the fullness of time. So don't worry about it. Mm. That that, one, that it? is that is such an easy thing to say. Um, I get that. Yeah. But I, 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 I it, it actually doesn't. It actually doesn't in that. that the, the strategy that is in being employed mm -hmm. is is designed for that uncertainty. Yeah. And that's what's so beautiful about it. Yeah. It's not the kind of thing that you'll start doing it and you'll buy a Ferrari next week. <laughs> but you know, you will you will compound very nicely over a long period of time. You'll go through lots of periods of underperformance. Mm -hmm. You'll go through mm -hmm. lots of scary periods. You'll go through lots of periods where you feel like you're the next Warren Buffett. But overall it'll be it'll be really great. And and uh, keep doing what you're doing. It's a um, yes. It's a challenging one. I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on this one personally. Um, I've done I've done my usual three seconds of research while you've been chatting, Ram. And it turns out the Nasdaq PE is actually a little bit higher than it has been in the relatively recent past. Uh, lower than it has really recently, and lower than it was in 2016, 17. Mm. So take it that what you will. Is it is it overvalued? Well, it depends. Now here's the mm. problem with valuations, and I'm not a hyper growth investor. I'm not a bleeding edge investor. I'm not a tech investor necessarily. I have some tech exposure, largely e-commerce, largely in my case, but some tech exposure. Um, I, I own some US stocks and some Australian stocks. The challenge with PEs is they work really, really well looking backwards if the company doesn't grow. <laughs> so, so A, only looking backwards. B, if the company isn't growing. Because as soon as you then say, well, what about the future? Then the question comes down to, well, what's going to happen in the future? And I don't mean that literally entirely rhetorically, but it is the question you need to ask yourself because a company on a PE of 100 that doubles profits every year for the next five years is cheap as chips. Mm. A company on a PE of 10 that declines by a third for the next five years in a row is expensive as hell. Mm. So which is cheaper? Which, which is better? Which is overvalued? Which is undervalued? Clearly, the company, the, the PE of 100 is undervalued. The PE of 10 is overvalued. Mm. Now, let's switch it around. 
The company with a P of 10 that grows at 5 cent a year is probably undervalued. Mm. The company with a P of 100 that goes broke in three years because their product disappears is massively overvalued. Mm. So same company, same current PE, but the future growth matters a heap. Yep. So the problem with saying NASDAQ is overvalued is people looking at, frankly, looking at PEs because that's what they tend to do. You might have a couple that are trying to use some other valuation methodology and saying, well, at, now I checked it, it's 24.7 times earnings the NASDAQ. That's obviously overvalued because stocks should only be 16 or 15 or 14 or 13 or 18 or 19. Therefore, it's overvalued by 20% because X, Y, Z. I'm going to say to you that I don't suggest everyone who says the NASDAQ overvalued is silly. I think they have some reasonable views some of the time for good reasons. Mm. But I also think that you need to ask yourself whether those people are the sort of people who are best placed to value those companies. I own shares in Amazon. I have for years. Uh, they've gone up quite a bit since I bought them, which is not a humble brag. It's to say that they were a stupidly high PE then. They're a stupidly high PE now on any usual assessment. If, you know, Walmart and Amazon, both in the retail game, very, very, very different PEs. You have to believe to buy Amazon even today, um, even then, that growth was going to continue at a really, really high rate for a long period of time. Now, I could still be wrong about that, by the way, mm. but Amazon's never been cheap enough to buy from nine to $3,000. Has never been cheap enough to buy on a PE basis. And yet the shares are up, what's that, 300-fold? Mm-hmm. So it's really important to think about what you're measuring when it comes to understanding the uh, role and the value of valuations, particularly with tech companies. And if you're asking, is the entire NASDAQ index overvalued? I don't know either, to Andrew's point. What I do know or do think reasonably strongly is there's very good reason to believe that the shares are in a good place. Now, one last thing. The NASDAQ itself, the ETF, um, is dominated by a couple of big companies, really big companies. And so those businesses are going to be super important to the returns you get from here. Now, think about Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Microsoft, Google. I think I've covered them all. Uh, Those are the ones that are problematic in terms of if they are overvalued and fall from here, it's hard for the ETF itself to do well because they're so big. They're so dominant. There's something like, I don't know, 25% probably those five companies, right? So you kind of have to believe those businesses have bright futures. Turns out I do. I don't own Apple. I don't uh, love it at the current price. I don't hate it. And Buffett owns it. It's good enough for me. Uh, Facebook I've never owned. Uh, Tesla I have never owned. But I'm happy to think that as an ETF, it's in a good place. And over time, these are the companies that are going to be growing well into the future and they're going to be worth owning. So that's that's kind of my general view on the NASDAQ. I own the NASDAQ ETF for full disclosure. So I'm absolutely exposed to the same things yep, you are. I've got some listener. too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really happy to. I, I don't remember the last time I added to it. It was in the last couple of months, I'm pretty sure, last few months maybe. Um, really happy with it. I own some individual US stocks. I own some individual US tech stocks that are listed on the NASDAQ. Um, the other thing, just quickly too, not to overdo this this question, but the point of is it overvalued is often mistaken for will it fall soon? So, you know, there are some businesses that aren't overvalued but still might fall because the market just simply chooses not to like them. There are some that are overvalued that can still rise because the market might still love them. And, and so, again, I'm not saying they can't fall. I'm not saying it won't fall. I feel really good about owning this ETF and expecting it to do market-beating returns from here into the future. Now, it won't be NASDAQ-beating returns because it's the NASDAQ ETF, um, but I think it's going to do really, really well. We've recommended it to our Australian members, by the way, where we have a, a bogey, a, a benchmark, which is actually the All Lords. So we've literally mm. said in the past, I think the NASDAQ ETF is going to beat the All Lords. I still believe that actually for what it's worth. Um, so that's something to think about. Mate, yep. last question from this listener. In the time of uncertainty, is it worth bringing money home and just kind of being a little less adventurous geographically when no. we are in these sort of situations? Not not when you're 29 with decades of income production ahead of you. <laughs> when you're 84, maybe that's a different discussion. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't because you, you, even if you make a really articulate, well-judged case on it, you, you, the market... What's the saying? The market can remain irrational longer <laughs> than you can remain solvent. Well done. That's exactly so it. it's it's like with the uh, the GFC um, credit crunch sort of thing. There was a lot of people, you know, Michael Burry sort of gets all the glory from the movie, but yeah. there was actually there was actually a lot of people sort of years in advance saying this is crazy, this is not going to end well. Um, you know, they were they were eventually right, but they missed out on a lot on the way. So th- this is this is the whole 
Look, if you want to be a trader, a market timer, then fine. That's a different conversation. If you want to be a long-term ETF investor who makes regular contributions, that's the beauty of it. That's that's the you don't have to worry about these questions. You know, it's it's kind of it's as I say that the, the costs, the compromise you make is quote unquote average returns, and we know average returns of the market tend to be really good over time. But that's that's the compromise you make, and and but but you're making you're making mm. that compromise in in a knowing that you don't have to worry about this kind of stuff. Yeah, so don't, yeah. don't do it. Don't, I mean, if you think the US is in a long-term mm-hmm. structural mm-hmm. decline, that's a different conversation. If mm-hmm. you think maybe there could be a recession on the short term, but you know, if you think yeah. businesses in America um, will on average be bigger and better in 10 years' time than they are today, mm-hmm. I probably think that's a reasonable proposition, um, then keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. It doesn't mean you won't be buying sometimes at silly prices. I think it's a, I think so. Two things quickly. Um, firstly, the US market, uh, I've said this before, I haven't checked recently. I really need to update this number because it's about five years old now. But close to half of the revenue of the SP 500 companies came from outside the States. So mm. it's not just America, it's the world, yep. which can be good or bad depending on which way you're thinking about this question. But for what it's worth, it's worth just pointing that out. Um, secondly is it's also worth probably thinking about the question from a different perspective, which is if I was in America, if I was an American citizen, wage earner, investor, would I stop investing in the S&P 500? The same way we, we're talking about, you know, should I put money mm. in the ASX? If the answer is, well, no, if I lived in America, I'd keep doing that, then there's no reason for us to do anything different because the only difference is moving currencies. And they will absolutely be all over the place over the next, you know, one mm. day, two days, five days, 10 days, 20 days, a year, five years, 10 years. It'll be super volatile because that's just what it does. But over a long enough period of time, it doesn't actually matter to our investment returns. So yeah. unless, you know, and I get the thought, again, I feel terrible not referring to this person by name. Um, I get the thought of, you know, should I just kind of circle the wagons? But if you're in the US, circling the wagons would be investing just in the US. And if you're in England, it means just investing in England. And so those three people who all invest only in their home markets are the same as one as those three people investing a third each in the other markets. The, the, the returns in total will be exactly the same. There's no reason to believe the US or any other international market, developed at least, will be materially worse than the ASX over the future and, in fact, possibly even better. So um, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd happily look at that and go, you know what, I'm, I'm really happy just to, to invest internationally. I still do. Um, I've added money to my international account. I've added money to international ETFs over the past few months, as I said. Um, we'll continue to do that probably forever, at least while I'm adding money to the, to the market in a dollar-costy kind of way. Um, to the to the way the question is asking that question. Can I say I actually invest a lot internationally on the ASX because I own a bunch of companies who the majority of their income is is generated overseas. Oh, yeah, right, good point. So they're Australian businesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They earn, yeah. They earn some money here, but 90% of revenue comes from North America. Yep. So it's kind of like, yeah, the listing's different. It's an Aussie company, but I'm still, yeah. I'm getting exposure to that kind of stuff too. So things don't always fall neatly into boxes. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Here's a question from first name only, please, but funnily enough, our wonderful member services fools haven't put your name in the, uh, in the question and I can't work it out from your email address. So uh, you know who you are. Uh, I, I won't mention your email address because that's even worse than mentioning your name, uh, but you know, you know who you are. Uh, first name only, hi, Scott and Ram. Thank you for your continued calm advice through the beginning of this year. Even for an old head, it helps to hear the message and it helps me and I'm sure others stay the course. Uh, I'm sure maybe temporary, but the last week has been nice to see a little bounce and some green rather than red numbers on the screens. Two quick questions, uh, two quick thoughts, Ram. Firstly, um, I've gone to the Berkshire Hathaway meeting a few times, uh, shareholder as we all well know. Buffett hasn't said anything new in about 20 years, right? No. <laughs> but honestly, and I use this, I use this uh, example regularly, it's like going to church on a Sunday. You hear the same message from the preacher. The Bible hasn't been updated in 2,000 years, right? So it's not like they're going to, you know, this great new insight of like, so it turns out Jesus really said this or whatever whatever your particular faith or, or holy book is. Um, the point is it's the repetition of the stuff that matters that kind of keep you on the proverbial straight and narrow, whether that's a, a moral ethical one uh, for churchgoers or for investors. Like, yeah, I've got to remember that. That's right. Buffett said that again. That's that's right. He's, he's kind of, it's those home truths that get repeated. That's yeah. And that's actually where the value is because there's nothing new in investing. I, I know people like to sell new stuff all the time. There's new companies, sure. Is there anything genuinely new in investing? Not for like 70 years. The concepts haven't been updated really. So anyway, it's just worth, uh, worth putting. The second point, by the way, the market, as it fell today, we're recording this on Thursday, but um, it's under 1% down for the year as of mm. Wednesday night's close, which mm. is for everything we've been going through, uh, worth remembering as well. All right. 
Back to the question. Listening to the podcast this weekend, uh, you touched on property to try and get Ram going. And a listener touched on Bitcoin to try and get Scott going. And it had me thinking more deeply about both. Oh, dear. Perhaps uh, following is perhaps more a statement than a question but I hope it may be a good talking point that will elicit your opinions. That, as always, will help me and I hope other listeners make better financial decisions. We hope so too. I know you're a finance podcast and I'm actually in the property business, so we have biases, but I often wonder why share people can be so passionate about shares and negative toward property and property people so negative toward shares and passionate about property. If you look historically, says our listener, they have both performed wonderfully over a long time when I buy a loaf of bread, holiday jet ski or pay some school fees Property money buys the same thing as share money and vice versa. Uh, so I'm going to stop here, mate. I think that's absolutely true. I, I yeah. we, we work with a lot of people. I work with some literally who I won't name. I love them all dearly. Um, we all know people who are super, super, I'd never touch property because, or I'm only, you know, I'd never touch shares because. I actually completely 100% agree with that question. I think it's a stupid, stupid way to approach life. You mentioned the the maxis, as you call them, using some Bitcoin lingo, the mm-hmm. maximalists or the people who say it's all you know, it's all in, it's all changing. Um, uh, to, that, to our questioner's point, mate, if I can make a, a capital gain or derive some income from an asset, I don't really give a stuff. And in fact, the yeah. property trust sector of the ASX is itself. You know, is it property or shares? Kind of yes and no and both and neither. Um, it's it's a really, really useful point to make and I'm really glad it was made because, yeah, we're share guys. I have most of my money in shares because I understand, I think there are benefits for reasons we won't go into now. But I've also in the past, not super recently, but last year I was looking at potentially looking at investment property with my wife. So, well, should cool. we you should have, you should have done it in hindsight. About it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, because I'm not, I'm not absolute and there are reasons why property is more attractive, largely leverage. Reasons why shares are more attractive, largely franking credits. But when you combine them all together, the only question mm. is which generates more value for me? I think that's a great yeah. question. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll double down on that. I agree. I mean, people, <laughs> I always get painted as, as someone who hates property. And I just, I, I, I've, I've got my issues with it. But it's, it's, not about the pro, it's not about the asset class itself. It's more about where we are in that, that cycle and, the, and what I perceive to sort of be upside versus sort of downside. But yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with you. If I could buy an investment property that had a, I had a really high chance of generating a, you know, a six percent mm, uh, mm. yield. Well, that's great. I'll, I'll back up the truck, right? Like that's, that's fantastic. So it's, it's all about, it's always about measuring the merits of an investment at any particular point in time. Mm, if we were in a world right now where they, we're talking about market multiples. If the, if the All Lords was on a, a, a PE multiple average of 50 yeah. and I could buy investment property and get a 10% yield, I tell you what, I wouldn't own a single share yep, and it would same, be all in exactly. property. Yep, yep, absolutely. You know? So, absolutely. yeah, the, the call, the listener is 100% right. Like, what? <laughs> people who just never say, who, who are just like, no, never, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a shame. You're, you're limiting your options. Excuse me. You're exactly right. Bless you. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, Yes, absolutely. So here's the question. Uh, Further, on my reckoning, there are only a handful of types of assets that are investable for me and in order of my weighting both financially and how much time I invest in each they are. One, my business. Two, property. Three, shares. Four, cash. And five, other, i.e. crypto, collectibles, etc. Mine are in that order because it suits my expertise. This is the question, by the way, not me personally. It suits my expertise, so I spend my time where I have an edge. I assume you, and you may correct me, but for Ram, it may be one, his business, two shares, three cash, four crypto and collectibles, five property. I don't see how either approach is wrong. Each approach yep. is just more suited to each investor and the key is to be invested in quality assets and look for your edge and allocate your money and time there. Amen. Whether Ram has That's property, Scott has crypto, so. makes no difference. You don't have to have a foot in every camp. Thoughts? Question mark. No, I, 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 I 100% agree. What, where, where's your circle of competence? Where's your edge? Where's your interest lie? There's no right or wrong answer. Just be honest with yourself and, yeah, you know, a bi- business. Business is great. The, 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 best, the best wealth creation vehicle is your own business. It's also, the, coincidentally, the most risky as well in, in a lot of ways. But that, that's, that's why the, the upside is so significant. You know, you name me a billionaire that made their money in a savings account. You know, they, they all made their money yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, in, in owning businesses. Yeah, yeah great. But, but, but again, does that mean that every person should run out and start a business? No. Uh, you know, you got to you got to stick stick to to where your passion lies, where your interest lies, where your edge lies. Hundred percent. So I so buy in fully to that to that um, to the ideas expressed there. I agree. Hundred percent. 
I 99% agree. Uh, I think, yes. He, I think, so Buffett talks about circle of competence, right? And enlarging you. So, so firstly, staying in your circle of competence. Secondly, enlarging that circle of competence. So the only other thing I would probably say is that I don't disagree with either of you at all. Uh, but I also think the question of where is your edge is something that's worth actually looking at because if my edge was in uh, Pokemon cards, we talked about it on Friday or that this morning, whenever we, whenever we talked about it, um, uh, should I expand my circle of competence? Probably, yeah, because the, the, that asset class itself may not be big enough or good enough to be worthwhile, right? So if I, if I was really, really good at asset class that was simply suboptimal, there's only so much value in being good at that thing. So I guess I'm just, I'm just expanding the thought of you guys, which is, Make sure the edge is genuine and make sure the edge is in a place that's worth having an edge and try your best to develop, enlarge that circle of competence to find better opportunities elsewhere um, just to make sure that you're benefiting from all of those. If your edge was in crypto and crypto ends up being a terrible investment, uh, you know, if, the, if, every, mm. if every cryptocurrency, I don't want to get in the argument, if, any, if every cryptocurrency <laughs> crashes and you're a crypto expert, you might have been better having a broader circle of competence, right? Now, the same is also mm. true in reverse. If your mm. shares person doesn't know anything about crypto and crypto goes well, you might have been better off expanding your circle to make sure there wasn't an opportunity somewhere else. So I don't disagree. I'm just, I'm just I guess, making the point for evolution and growth rather than pure, here's where I started, so here's where I'm staying and hopefully I can make it work for me. Is that is that yeah. reasonable to explain that well enough to yeah, yeah, no, too many people? Uh, yeah, that, that, that's true. I mean, you, you really need to have a brutal honesty and self-awareness. yes. yes. You do, you know, because we are the, the the easiest person to fool is yourself, and our egos don't easily allow us to sort of admit that we're just terrible at certain things. Yes, um, particularly yeah, well, if you if you're male, <laughs> you know. That's um, the thing about so, age, mate. I, don't we all don't we all think we have an age that we probably don't oh, have yeah. by definition? I mean, well, how many? Every, everyone's an above average driver, right? right? Yeah, mm. but it's, but it's a and look the the broader point though is the right one. I'm, I'm just making. I'm trying to find. Areas to add some value, which is not many, because you guys are both absolutely right. I think it, I think it makes a heap of sense. Um, I think it's just important to be clear-eyed about it, e- even yeah. for you guys with businesses. Um, you know, mm. is your business really the best place for your money? Well, hopefully, but to every billionaire that started with their own business rather than savings, some other guy went broke and is now working at Woolies at a, at a, at a checkout, right? So it's also just just mm. being really clear-eyed across whatever asset you invest in. At, not about businesses necessarily, I just mentioned it because you guys both put it number one or at least uh, the, the, the question of put yours as your number one investment asset. At some point, you know, you should be thinking to yourself, I've got a lot of money in this business and I could put more in and try and grow it, but there's a lot of eggs in that basket and am I sure it's going to work? And if it works, I'm a genius. If it doesn't work, then I've blown up, you know, for you, it's what a $15 million business. No, I'm kidding. I'm just making numbers up. Um, you know, <laughs> but that kind of idea of, you know, it just it, it's really, really hard. It's mm. super hard. Yeah, it's in fact, it's impossible to be completely objective, right? It's just mm. worth doing that just across the board. Is, is property number two for you? Yep, okay, well, I've got, you know, $5 million in property. Do I want to add another property to that or do I want to start maybe thinking about diversifying just in case I'm wrong or just in case something happens? Mm. There are times and places to just think about the construction, which isn't just a bit like we mentioned with portfolios. You know, my best idea, I've already got, I've already got more waiting in my best idea than I should have. Mm. So when I've got more money, even though it's still my best idea, I'm just going to take a half a step back and go, you know what? It's not death or glory here. You know, mm. I can choose a little bit less glory, a little bit less chance of death. I might go for that just to make sure that I don't blow myself up. That, so there's just, mm. there's just some, some nuance there worth having to think about. Yeah, I agree with that. Does that, make, does that make, am I making sense? Yeah, yeah. Like you, 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 First you yeah. <laughs> look after the downside and the upside will look after itself is a, a, another um, way of, of sort of, Thinking about it, you know, nice whatever line, isn't it? super relevant to us. Oh, it's it just it just really is. You know, it's sort of um, yeah, and just be honest with yourself, and and just and I think not enough of us are prepared to say I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, I just you don't have to have an opinion on everything, and you, mm-hmm. that's okay. Just I feel just it's it's, it's sort of. Mm-hmm. It's a shame, really. Yeah. There's there's plenty of times where I'll completely steer clear of an investment, not because I'm mm. firmly mm. against it. I just I just I feel as though I've got enough self awareness to go. I just I just don't know enough about yeah. it. I'm, yeah. I'm 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 if you're playing poker and you don't know who the patsy at the table is, it's you. It's you <laughs> to, to paraphrase yes. Buffett, yeah. you know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. But in general, I I think the comments made were all were all spot on. Mm. Mate, it's a question from Patrick, which I quite like. Hi Scott Andrew, says a question for the podcast, please. I know you like to look at global trends and movements, e.g. the BlackRock CEO mentioning that companies need an ESG strategy or, for example, a general shift to online commerce and the value of SaaS companies, software as a service. 
while keeping an eye on the fundamentals of companies, e.g. don't just invest in lithium or a coal mine may still make money if it has a good strategy. Mm. I'm curious on your take on the metaverse, just a little issue to talk about, and whether particular companies such as gaming tech or others in this general space need to have a strategy or be preparing to enter this potential market. Too mm. soon to say, do you simply have faith that good companies will, can and will adapt or is it necessary to be preparing for the metaverse now? Thanks, Patrick. Uh, Patrick, I'll, I'll start by saying, mate, thank you for um, nicely encapsulating some of the way we've thought about some ideas and some companies in the past. Because I really love the. It's a really neat summary. I'm, I'm kind of, I, I'm kind of quietly chuffed that we managed to get our message across well enough that uh, at least Patrick is obviously a very thoughtful guy and, and has really um, thought about it deeply. He understands kind of why and where we're coming from different perspectives. So, mate, thank you for for that point. Um, I'm not a super global trend guy per se for what it's worth. Uh, I don't follow the trend, but I think it's also worth thinking about where markets and companies are moving. So it's kind of a bit of both. I don't invest on the back of trends, um, but I do want to see some sense that companies are moving towards the future, which is kind of your broad question is the way I'm reading it, mate. And so let, let's start with um, let's start with Metaverse particularly and then go to companies in, in particular, Ram. Do we need to define our terms here? We probably need to at least comment a little bit on the Metaverse. Do you want to just give yeah. us your sense of what the Metaverse is? Yeah, the metaverse is a persistent digital um, arena that uh, you interact with um, through virtual reality, mm. <laughs> I guess is probably the best way to do it. <laughs> the, 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 actually, the better way to do it is go watch the movie Ready Player One. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> movie, isn't it? Better book, f- as always, or as often. Yeah, I haven't even read the book, actually. Oh, I read but- the book. It's much better. Uh, it's, it's a fun movie, yes. but you know they have, the metaverse there is called the Oasis, and it's just it's it's I, there's a, like any new thing. There's so much hype and speculation <laughs> around it, yep. um, but there's something that's genuinely there. I, I think it's a very natural evolution of the mm-hmm. internet. I, I look for Zuckerberg, controversial character, but he's no idiot, and he's committed to spend ten billion dollars. <laughs> it's a lot. Right, there's something like a thousand engineers working on it. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, something is going to come out of that. And even if nothing does, and that's mm, far mm, from certain, mm. um, it's kind of like what Tesla's done with the electric car. It's going to it's going to move the industry further along that direction. Mm, mm. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a legitimate thing. I think it's something that you sort of feel as though will become more and more and more dominant. Mm. I mean, the, think about the internet. What it used to be like in the early twenties, um, early two uh, thousand. Sorry. Um, and then, and then, how radically our relationship with the internet changed with the advent of the smartphone. Mm-hmm. Now we've got the advent of uh, uh, VR glasses, virtual and reality. Yep. If let me let me just say, if you haven't had a go of that, do mm. it is it's it's something you you can't explain. It's 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 something special that's there. The the trouble with it is is that it's like remember when the iPhone came out and you could play Fruit Ninja. <laughs> and yes, yeah. Angry Birds. Yes, and there wasn't really that many apps. There's this awesome bit of hardware. Wow! I'm, now I'm interacting by touching a screen instead of buttons, and just yes, so. Yeah. But it really didn't have much. Didn't have much you could do with it. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, that was all backfilled with these wonderful apps that can, mm-hmm. being released at an ever and ever great, and which just increases the value proposition. That's where we're at at VR at the moment. The hardware's mm-hmm. come a long way. It's really impressive. You go 450 bucks Australian, you get an Oculus Two headset. <laughs> and it it it'll just it's just they're fantastic. Mm. Um, do I have one? No, uh, and I'm even a gamer, right? Um, why not? There's just there's just there's not much there. There's a there's a few tech demos. There's more stuff coming online, mm. but that's what we're going to see over the next few years. We, we're going to see more and more things that you can do with that hardware. That's going to make the val- the value proposition of the hardware more attractive, which is going to increase demand, which is going to increase production, which is going to bring down the cost. When there's more people on there, that's going to be more incentive for developers to produce mm. software and mm. metaverse type concepts for all of this kind of stuff. So this this stuff's going to snowball very, very, very quickly. Mm. Within all of that, um, these my my uh, guesses for the future. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> Within all of that, yeah. there's going to be so much hype and speculation and value yeah. destruction. Yeah, guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed. Same thing happened with the internet. You know, uh, it, it'll happen here too. Um, but there will there there will be almost certainly some some really radically, mm-hmm. you know, world-changing stuff that sort of happens with all of that. And I think I think what a sensible company should do is is take it seriously, but don't just pile in because it's cool, it's hip, it's now, and people are talking about it. 
you know, what do you need a presence in the metaverse? Not really, because there doesn't really exist yet. <laughs> um, should you sort of prepare for that? Yeah. Should you consider about what makes sense business-wise to sort of be there? Yeah, I, 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 I think they should. Will I invest in a business purely because they've used a lot of buzzwords and say they're getting in this space? Absolutely not. Yeah. It's just we, we are at the frontier of a very, very, very new phenomenon mm. and it's hyper, hyper risky as a result of all of that kind of stuff. But I, I, overall, longer term, I'm, I'm pretty ambitious towards, towards what's possible there. Mm. It's I'm not people. Just, people. Yeah. I'll just say quickly. People yeah. tend to. Say, it always comes back to computer games. Now, yeah. computer games are a massive industry, far bigger mm-hmm. than Hollywood and the music industry combined. It's just, it's phenomenal. But that's the, the, like the what you can do if you're an architect or a designer in the VR space is wonderful. Online collaborations. Uh, are the, the, the use cases just really yeah. will broaden out well beyond gaming. So yeah, it's yeah, anyway. There's a lot. There's a lot to say there. I've probably said too much already. No, I love it. I love it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take the. I won't call it the bear case, mate. But I'm gonna. I'm gonna try and find the place in between. A little like our, our Bitcoin conversation. I. So the problem is the metaverse is seen as this single thing, and it may end up being that, like the Oasis in uh, in in Ready Player One, uh, and it's seen as the end point and the arrival point and kind of the the large space, the, the kind of the final space, right? I think the VR technology, virtual reality, and augmented reality technologies are spectacular and they will be a huge part of our future. So tick me off for that, absolutely. I think virtual interactions will be a huge part of our future. So sign me up for that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the challenge is what, when, where, how much, and by whom. Mm. <laughs> and we're going to try and unpack that separately. You and I remember, Andrew, a, a game slash virtual world called Second Life. Yeah, it must be now fifteen years ago. Is, is that is it less than that? It'd be, it'd be like about that. that, maybe even a bit longer. But yeah, a while ago now. And it's not to say they weren't right, right? There's plenty. Of, the history is full of ideas that were too soon. Mm. But will the next version of the metaverse be the same as Second Life? That is interesting and ideas. Some people apparently still play it, and it's fine. It's great. And the thing is that you can actually meet each other on on Second Life. You can have mm. friendships on Second Life. You can go to stadiums sponsored by companies on Second Life. You can build houses and buy real estate on Second Life. That that mm. is the original metaverse. Mm. except that it wasn't because not everyone took it up. Now, is it the MySpace to someone else's Facebook metaverse? Maybe. Is Does Facebook end up owning the final version of metaverse where everyone starts and goes? Maybe. They've certainly got a hell of a lot of users, so they are a natural place where it might be born. Um, could it be Apple with every iPhone? Could it be Microsoft with every version of Office or, or whatever mm. that becomes, or Windows, maybe? Mm. Um, maybe there's multiple metaverses. Well, well that's what, exactly the point mm. I was going to get to. And so you think, okay, what, you know, when do you, I mean, realistically- Multi-metaverse. Andrew, Andrew <laughs> I aren't in virtual reality right now, but I'm sitting on one side of a computer screen. He's on the other. He's at his place, I'm at my place. Uh, we could put some goggles on and have this conversation, but kind of Zoom is not, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not a metaverse way people talk about it, and I don't want to, you know. Of course, it's not virtual. We haven't got goggles on, and we're not literally sitting side by side, sipping a virtual beer while we're chatting. But you know, is there a Zoom metaverse? Probably. Do I meet you in a Zoom room? Do I meet you in a? Do I meet you in a Facebook room to chat with a friend? Do I log off and go to a, a Slack virtual workplace? Maybe those. Are, I think those are probable, right? Mm. But are they in themselves anything new or different or additional? I don't know yet. I don't know. Mm. We, you know, do we watch sport in a virtual grandstand? Maybe, but then that's just replacing or adding to or being done by Channel Nine or Foxtel. Mm. And so it's kind of like, is there one place where we have to do that? Maybe. Maybe we gravitate that way because it just becomes too easy not to. We live most of our lives on Facebook these days. Maybe it is. But then, even with Facebook, that's not the final destination. There's TikTok and WhatsApp and Twitter and Instagram and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. So I'm 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 actually I put me down as bearish. In, in the next 20 years for a single metaverse. I think I think it's a crazy idea. Do I think the idea of virtualization is a boom idea? Absolutely. Mm. We will get more virtual over time. I will put on goggles and, and sit here and chat to Andrew like he's across the room from me and it'll be fantastic. And we'll do the we'll do the podcast there, and maybe even our listeners will come and join us in the arena. Or, or, you know, we'll wait on some virtual stage and mm. and uh, you know take the podcast in that way. Maybe, mm. um, but that's like YouTube Live, right? The, the the idea of virtual reality goggles is huge, and the opportunities are huge. Do I think it's a separate new thing? Not really. Um, it's an it's an evolution. Maybe? It's an evolution of what we've got. It's yeah, just the internet plus, right? Like it's just yeah. the internet yeah. is the internet is the internet, but it's it's very. It's it just evolved. It's an extension mm. of the way that we engage with it. You're yeah. right. There's no fundamentally new. I'll still be able to do the kinds of things I do online now. It's just how I how I do it. And for some circumstances, yeah. it won't really. It's just gimmicky. Yeah. Others, it'll be valuable. Imagine yeah. imagine me with a team of engineers 
around the world designing a solar plant. Right, exactly. Yes. With, with a with a with, with a, a virtually yeah. rendered yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. CAD CAD software where we can actually step inside it. Yeah. Imagine you and me catching up on the weekend to go watch a Knicks game courtside. Right. Yeah. In New yeah. York. Yeah. You know, I can yeah, do that. Uh, I can do that. And there's, uh, there are some things just like, wow, that's that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, always Ready Player One. I want to go climb Mount Everest with Batman. I can do that too. You know. So there's the use cases. Are, we're figuring it out. We're figuring oh, it I, out. I, I'm sorry to tell you, mate. Bat, Batman's not real. <laughs> In the metaverse, he is. <laughs> and no, and. Um, oh, I feel sad. I feel like I've, I've burst a little bubble for you there, mate. I'm sorry. Well, well, you know, don't. <laughs> I need to believe that Batman's out there. But <laughs> that's right, but exactly. Someone's gonna look after Gotham City. If it's not Batman, goddamn it, no one's doing it. So it has to be true. Right? We need, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, but it's just. I, I think that it's like so. I mean, we're at such a peculiar point in history. Yeah. I think about this a lot, actually. I mean, the the yep. the, the pace of change. It's hard when you're sort of in it, but it's it's at an it's at an it's accelerating. Uh, by the day, mm-hmm. I mean, there's never been a point in history where things have been evolving this, this quickly. So there's all this new stuff out there. Yeah. A lot of it's rubbish. A lot of it's interesting. A lot of it's really, really valuable. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's very, very hard to predict. So where where I think you can you can be a reasonable person who says actually this is really interesting and fascinating, mm-hmm. and on a broad level, I'm actually optimistic towards it. But at the same time, don't go anywhere near it from an investment standpoint because it's way too early. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and I, I feel as though people tend to think with these new technologies, you have to be early or you mm-hmm. miss out. Mm-hmm. Um, now, yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, Facebook came along well after the internet was invented. Yeah, yeah, true. Well after the internet was invented. You know, Atlassian came along well after. So, so I, I, I don't, I think the mistake here is is buying into the hype and feeling as though you have to be super early. Yeah. You know, that's that's the mistake. Um, so there's no rush and you, and it's it's just, it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be by nature very, very speculative, very dynamic, very early on. And I will be a very interested observer of it. Mm-hmm. But until I, as we talk about previous conversation, until I feel as though I've got some kind of special insight yeah. or edge or, you know, a, 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 an opportunity I can sort of articulate in a fairly objective fashion, mm. I will just be an observer and uh, probably a participant from a user standpoint, but an, as an investor, I am not at that point yet. This is, this again, let's not go down this rabbit hole, but you and I were doing the podcast years ago originally mm-hmm. and I you were the guy buying Bitcoin I was the guy laughing at it. <laughs> that's right, that's right. right? And that's that's changed. I've, and I picked some of that up just for my own satisfaction, but I won't. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, and I, 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 I so I, 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 don't don't make a decision now and that's sort of what you're wedded to. Keep an eye on things, evolve them. Your, your thinking and understanding will evolve over time and just don't, don't feel as though you've got to rush. I know this isn't the point of the question, but, but I, I, I've, I feel as though people buy into hype too easily, yeah. and you, you you can do that. Or again, I mean, imagine imagine in nineteen ninety eight investing in internet yeah, because right. it was going to be huge. Yeah. You know, chances are you did very very badly, even though you were right overall. Um, and it could have you could have waited ten years before you yeah. got going, and then done incredibly well. So yeah. there's no rush. It, it, some of the internet, actually, the internet in air quotes in nineteen ninety eight was cable companies and infrastructure makers, which were. Yeah. So not, not only do some of the internet software kind of dot coms go bust, but even the cable companies and 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 you know switches providers, hardware providers also did terribly over the over the following mm. twenty years. So it wasn't mm. even just you know where are we within a metaverse, Patrick? To, you, to answer your question directly, um, I think you can afford to wait until things move out. I would simply look at the businesses that are making money wherever they're making it. So no, I don't think we need to invest in the metaverse. I'm not probably going to do it anytime soon. Maybe never um, in the metaverse per se. But if Nike is sponsoring sports stadiums and doing well as a business and people buy more Nike shoes, well, hey, I'll buy Nike. We talk about Qantas and NFTs, right? It's kind of not miles away from that same kind of idea. If there's only virtual plane seats in the metaverse, then they're going to make some money as Qantas. And if that becomes a meaningful part of their business, I think there's a future in it, I'll buy the shares. But I'm not going to buy or not buy based on what some companies are doing with the metaverse per se. There'll be some mm. that get left behind, absolutely. Others who go too early and get burned and waste a fortune, plenty in between. Um, yeah, I think virtualization is going to be huge. I think um, online collaboration is going to continue to, to evolve. Look mm. at the businesses that are that are doing that well as they do it well. You don't have to make those bets just yet. And look, here's the other thing, by the way, mate. People look back and say, yeah, well, I bought I bought Amazon in 99. Look, I'm a genius. I told you it was worth investing in dot-coms and mm. use that as a justification where someone who says, I bought Yahoo in 99 and that was a terrible idea. You shouldn't have ever invested in dot-coms. There is no mm. single answer, right? That's the point. Right now, there is some metaverse company that in 20 years is probably going to be worth a lot of money. Which one is it? Where? How? When? Is there even one? 
you just can't know. And the fact that one will actually in 20 years' time look back and go, ah, oh, if only I had bought, you know, page pageverse.com back in <laughs> back in 2022, I would have been a, you know, made a fortune. Mm. You know, you can't you can't use that sort of um, hindsight bias and, and assume it's possible now to know or to even make those bets. So I invest in real companies doing real things. Real can be online, by the way. When I say real, I don't just mean physical things. I mean mm. just investing in businesses that have customers that are growing and doing good things, meeting customer needs wherever they are. And if that's increasingly the metaverse, then yeah, grab the companies that are adapting well and doing well out of that. But I wouldn't try and bet ahead of the curve on this one. What's what's interesting about I think the metaverse is it's actually a confluence of, of a whole bunch of trends. Mm-hmm. It's the internet yes, exactly. in general. It's the speeds and bandwidths that are available. It's yep. the hardware uh, integrations that are in terms of the headsets. Yeah. Dare I say there's very strong applicability in terms of NFT and blockchain oh, oh, technology. Yeah. It is. I mean, like, you know, once you're in a digital world, you need yep. you need ownership. You know, so 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 again, it's sort of like it's all of these cutting edge things that none of them could sort of happen without the other. And they're <laughs> yeah, all that's right. do you know? So it's yep, it's so just I, I find it again, I'm not talking investment wise here. I'm just as a as a observer of all of this yeah. space, it's just yeah. so fascinating. And and again, it's just you can get too carried away with this stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it it's 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 an as I said before, it's an evolution of this technology. It's it's not a revolution, mm-hmm. and and the change will feel pretty slow. <laughs> it's like a lot of these things. What what'll happen is 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 that like a lot of these things, they move really really slow, and then they move really really fast. Yeah, yeah. You know, think look at look at uh, look at the the smartphone again, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of. It was sort of this long lead up and then ba- instantly. It sort of feels like instantly now. Yeah, that's but, right. You know, but actually yeah. you, you had many sort of years to sort of position yourself for that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Um, anyway, it's, it's, I, 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 I geek out on a lot of this stuff. I think it's really cool. But, but being interested in it and investing in it are two different things. That's also a really, really important point. Follow along. Just don't mistake uh, excitement and interest for investing returns. Yeah, yeah. Mate, we've gone over time, but we've had a lot of fun this Sunday. Thank you for spending it with me. Um, great questions. Again, as I said before, send us all your questions. In fact, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to pre-record some episodes. Uh, I'm going to be taking a couple of weeks off in April, first couple of weeks of April, heading up to Queensland uh, with the family during school holidays. So we're going to pre-record some episodes, throw them in your podcast feed. Uh, if you have questions you want answered, now is a wonderful time to send them through because we're going to be front-loading the podcast with some of those. So let us know. Uh, info at fool.com.au is our email address, info at fool.com.au. If you have long questions you want to send us, otherwise hit us up on the socials. You know them all. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Just search for Andrew Page. Search for Strawman. Search for The Motley Fool Australia or search for Scott Phillips. You'll find us all there. Uh, I'm the bald bloke. There's a couple of Scott Phillips around, but you'll find me. You'll find me. <laughs> Until next week, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691. Listener.